Uh, good to see all of you guys. Um, we have been going over this series called the Prayers of the Psalms. We're going over emotions. And uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been going over a lot of negative emotion. Okay? For example, the first week we went over fear and anxiety. That's a very negative emotion. We went over, the week after that, we went over guilt and shame. Also a very negative emotion and very difficult emotion. Last week we went over, it's really hard to say just like emotionally, but like to say it in a word, but it was really about like frustration and anger when you feel like you've been wronged. Okay, so what we call, what we said was injustice. Okay, so, so far we've been going over negative emotions. Okay, and how David expresses these negative emotions to God and processes them. But today, I'm going to shift things up. I'm going to talk about a very positive emotion. Okay? It's an emotion I think we have, I think most of us, we are very good at expressing this emotion. Okay? However, it's really interesting because when it comes to God, I don't think we're actually very, very good at it. I think most of us, it comes very, very difficult. It's a very positive emotion, and yet when it comes to God, it's either very, very short, or we don't do it much at all. Okay, do you know what emotion it is? It is praise or worship. Okay, it's delight. It's joy. Okay, we're very good at expressing these things, or not mo most of us, I think, are pretty good at expressing these things to people. You know, when you get excited about something, you're like, have you tried this restaurant before? It's awesome. This, this girl or this guy, so wonderful. And they've been so good to me. Or they're so pretty. Or they're so handsome. It's easy to praise. Uh, but when it comes to God, it's a little bit more difficult. So we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to see an example of how to actually praise God. And why is it that we have a difficult time? And how we can actually uh, come to praise God better or more properly. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 18. Uh, we're not going to read all of it because it's actually a pretty long passage, but we're going to read some selections from it. So here it goes. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. And I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Skipping a couple of verses. He reached down. From on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who are too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Okay? So we see David, and he goes on and on with praises and thanksgiving to God. So we see David, you could clearly see he's not just like, thank you, God, and then bye-bye. But he goes into description, and he gives all these adjectives about God, okay? He says, you're a rock, you're a fortress, you're my deliverer, you're my, you're my horn, you're my shield, you're my strong. So he goes on and on and on and on, as if he's in love with that someone. Yes? 
And then we clearly see that. He says, I love you, Lord. Okay. Uh, what's the context? So not all Psalms actually tell us the context of why it was written. But for Psalms 18, it actually tells us the context. So if you read uh, chapter 18, it actually says this. In the beginning, before you read all of this, it says this. From the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord. So this is not even just a poem. This is actually a music piece that David actually has written for God. Okay, so he sang to the Lord the words of these so this song when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So we have to understand the context a little bit. Okay, who is Saul? Okay, he's one of the king, he was the first king of Israel. Okay, he's the first king of Israel or Judea. Okay, and who's David at this point? He's not a king yet then. Okay, but we know, what's the relationship of Saul and David? It's very complex. Because first, David becomes one of the soldiers for Saul. Not only that, he becomes such a good soldier that he becomes actually one of the generals for Saul. Not only that, he is a successful general for Saul. He goes out in battle, and he, wherever he goes, there's victory. Okay? That's the type of relationship. Not only that, though, okay, uh, David likes one of the daughters of Saul. So Saul goes, you want one of my daughters? Go into battle and kill some people for me, and then you could have my daughter. Okay, that's how they did it back then. Okay, not now. Okay, so don't do that now. Okay. All right. So what does David do? He goes into battle. He kills all these Philistines, comes back. And so what kind of relationship? They, they get married. And then so it's his son-in-law as well. But what does it say here? It says, when God delivered him from the hand of Saul. Wait, what's going on? Wait, this is, this is your general. He's fighting for you. He's leading your army. Wait. He's your son-in-law. But what's going on? Well, Saul had some issues. Okay, one of the issues was that he was extremely envious and jealous. Before, Saul was a warrior too. But he became older. And David, he became the new soldier. He became the new hero. And so what would people sing about him? People would say, would say when, they would come back, uh, when David would come back from battle, they would sing, Saul used to kill hundred, but David... He kills thousands. So what happens in his heart? He says, oh no, he's going to come after me. Okay? So what does Saul start doing? To his own general, he starts chasing after him. Okay? David is a young man at this point. Okay? Everybody loves him except the king. But you go against the king, what happens? You're, the whole nation is against you then. Okay? And so... We don't know exactly which time because Saul actually goes after David so many times. It's actually really sad. There's times where he tries to like throw a spear at him. There's times he uses the family connection to try to like get at him. There's times he literally brings out a whole army to chase him in the mountains. Okay. It, I mean, it could be a major movie. It goes on and on and on. We don't know exactly what point this was. But again, this was the type of situation David was in. Okay. He's alone. Or, again, he, he's being chased by his own father-in-law. He's doing all of these things for his nation, the king's nation, and yet the king is trying to kill him. Okay, and these are the emotions that he's going through. But it says what? 
that God delivered him. And so there is joy and gladness and happiness that is coming out in him. Okay, does that make sense? So do you guys kind of get a context of what's going on? Okay. Why is it that David does all of this? But why is it for us, I think, especially me, okay? Why is it so difficult for me to see myself worshiping God or praising God like this? Okay? It's really interesting because a lot of times I find myself being angry at God or being very disappointed at God when he doesn't answer my prayers. But a lot of times, I don't see myself praising God when he actually does answer my prayer. Does that make sense? So I get, on the one hand, I get really upset when he doesn't answer me. But when he does answer me, I'm very happy for a little bit. I'm like, thank you. But for the most part, I'm not like David. I'm not like, I love you. Oh, you're my rock, my fortress. Like, I don't go on and on. I just go, thank you, God. And that's it. It's very short. I'm not, I'm not living in this praise. Okay? So I thought of two reasons why um, I think many Christians specifically have a difficult time worshiping. Uh, the first one is I think uh, a lot of times we are very forgetful. Again, it's really interesting because the prayers, a lot of times that God doesn't answer, we remember that forever. We like have this like anger against them, bitterness against them, and we hold that. But how many of you guys, if I asked you right now, list the things that God has answered in your life, okay? The prayers that he actually has answered, how many of you guys could actually make a list of that? Does it come up right away? Or does it take you a bit? Because I think if I ask you, make a list of prayer that God hasn't answered, you'll be like, let me write down all the stuff, all the stuff that God did me wrong. But how about the stuff that God actually did you right? The stuff that when he actually came through. I think a lot of times what we do is we ask for prayer, we ask for requests, but at the same time, we don't actually write those things down, right? And I think that's why it's really important for us to actually journal and write down the things that we have prayed for. Why? Because it's really easy for us to forget. Uh, one pastor, actually, you guys know him. I, I talk about him all the time. Tim Keller, he said, human beings, we have, a, we have a memory problem. The things that we should forget, we always remember, right? Like, like somebody hurts us, somebody said something bad against us. We always remember that. We never forget that. But the good things, good things, it's so easy to forget. The bad things that we should forget, it's kind of like spider web. It always gets tangled up. But the good things that God has done for us or other things that good things that people have done for us, it's like, um, it's like a fry pan, right? It just goes, it goes, just slips off, okay? So we have that as human beings, right? And so again, the reason I think we have difficult time praising God, thanking God is because we as human beings, we're very forgetful. Okay, so that's the first thing. Number two is a lot of times the reason why we don't praise God is because a lot of times we either praise someone else or something else. So you might say you're, you might be in a difficult situation, but you get out of it or God helps you. But what happens? You go, was that really God? I actually think that was me. Look at my abilities. Look at the things that I have. You know, it wasn't really God who helped me. No, I was the one who studied really, really hard. I am the one who's working hard right now. So who's the credit? Who should get the credit? Me. 
Should God get the credit for all of these things? No, 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 no. I should be the one that's taking all the credit. Or somebody else. Okay, my spouse, my family, politician, somebody else should get the credit, but not me. And so what happens? Even though I might have asked God, in the end, when God answers me, in the end, who does the credit go to? Not God, but to other people. Okay, do you guys see yourself doing that at all? Okay, being forgetful, praising someone else or something else, circumstances? Okay, what is your reason? Why is it that you have such a difficult time praising God, thanking God? Why is it that we have a difficult time saying, I love you, God, and saying all of these things to God? We're going to talk about this concept of worship a little bit more. Uh, David says it pretty well. Number one, he says, I love you, Lord. But right here in verse three, I call to the Lord who is, what does it say? Worthy of praise. The English word worship actually comes from an old English, which literally meant worth, worth, ship. Okay. So when you worship something, you worship something because you feel like that person or that thing has worth. So this is really interesting. I know a lot of times we use the language like it's time for worship, right? Like it's, this is worship service. But that actually is, um, it doesn't work that way. Like worship in itself doesn't work that way. You don't plan worship. Does that make sense? Worship is a very natural thing. Okay, worship is never a planned thing. Worship is never a manufactured thing. What I'm trying to say is worship comes naturally when you see the worth of something. Okay, it's not like, okay, guys, it's 11.30 on Saturday. Oh, let's sing praises to God. It doesn't work. And that's why a lot of times, especially in the morning, when we're singing, like no one's singing. Or, or someone is singing, but it's kind of like dead. Why? Because, again, we're singing these songs to God, but it doesn't come very natural. Why? Because worship in itself doesn't come like that. For example, Let's say there's a couple. Okay, I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. Since uh, we have a couple over there, like Liz and Alex, they're my good close friends, by the way. Okay, so let's say I tell them, hey, out of nowhere, like praise each other. Tell each other how much you love each other. It's like, oh, that's kind of random. Okay, it doesn't work like that. But let's say Alex does something for Liz. Or let's say Liz is thinking about, hey, man, look at all these times Alex has been there for me. Look at all these things that Alex does for me. Then what happens? Then naturally, appreciation comes out. Naturally, praise comes out. Does that make sense? So what I'm trying to say is, worship, praise, these are not things that you can control. These are not things that you just practice and get better at naturally. Rather, if you really want to learn to praise, it's to understand the object or whoever you are worshiping. You have to understand the worth of the object. Because if you understand the worth of the object, object, the praise, worship, these things will come naturally. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, that's why Tim Keller, he always says, okay, religious people, religious people, they just find God useful. Okay. And these two things I talked about, again, it's useful. Okay. In the immediate moment to pray to God when you're going through a difficult time, it feels good. You have somebody who listens to you and you feel maybe you have this hope that, hey, God will listen to me. But what do you do? You forget about it. Why? 
because I felt good at that moment. Or you praise someone else or something else. Why? Because you take the credit. For example, okay, you have kind of a business relationship with God. God is just a useful being. For example, I do something for God, and God does something for me, and that's it. Okay, it's kind of like an employer-employee relationship, boss-worker relationship. For example, if I work for my boss and he gives me a paycheck, do I praise him? Do I worship him? I don't. I don't go, yes, I got a paycheck. No. Why? Because I deserved it. And again, that's why we don't praise God, right? I deserve this. Okay, God, you answered my prayer. Why? Because I did something. I earned this. I came to church, I gave tithe, I went to Sabbath school, I'm doing this, I'm doing, whatever. And so that's why there's no praise. Why? Because I am the one who did this to deserve something from you. So it's a business relationship. It's a useful relationship. And that's why praise doesn't naturally flow out. Okay? But instead, Christians, real Christians, they find God beautiful. And that's really the difference to see whether you yourself, you're just a religious person, you know, religious person meaning you come to church, you do all the right things on the outside, but you really don't have a relationship with God. Okay? And that's why, that's why a, the greatest indicator to see whether you have a real relationship with God is are you praising? Do you find yourself worshiping God? Okay, if you don't, then most likely you just find God very useful to you. And to a useful God, you don't need to praise that God. As long as he does his part and I do my part, it's a business relationship. Does that make sense? And so praise, again, is a natural thing that comes when you have a loving relationship with somebody else. And that's why David's response is, I love you. He doesn't say, you're useful to me. Okay? He doesn't say, oh, I pray to you, you help me, thanks. Okay, I'm going to do my part now. You did your part, I'm going to do my part, bye. No, but it's a relationship. And that's why he goes on and on. And if you read the whole Bible verse, it's just a love letter to God. Why? Because again, he has a relationship with God, but not only that. Secondly, he sees the worth of God. And because of that, praise just naturally flows out from him. He doesn't just find God useful, but he finds God beautiful. Okay? So this is a question that you need to reflect on. Do you find God useful or do you find God beautiful? Do you see yourself praising God? Do you, do you only sing songs to God at 12 p.m. on Saturday? Or do you see yourself thinking about God, praising God throughout the day, throughout the week? That's the difference. Okay? If you're not in a loving relationship, you just do your part once a week, on a Saturday, on Sabbath, that's it. You're done. A loving relationship, then you find yourself praising God throughout the week. Again, that's really the difference. Okay? So, how do we... So, we talked about worship, and the concept of worship is you have to understand the worth of someone. Okay, you have to understand, you have to see it for yourself. You can't just hear from other people. You have to go and taste it for yourself. So how do we do that? What are the two things that we see David doing? Okay. So two things that we're going to see David doing. First one is recollecting. Okay, recollecting. And actually, both of these are recollecting. But one of them is just recollecting what God has done for you. Okay. 
And second thing is what God has ultimately done for every single person in this room. Okay, we're going to talk about uh, two different things. And both of them, it's really recollecting. Okay, so let's read uh, the first thing. So first recollection. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. So what is David doing? David is not just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, you're all this, and then finish. What does he do? He's actually recollecting what God has done for him in his life. Okay? He's being very specific. These are the ways you have come through. And this is where you have placed me. This is where I was before, and this is where you took me, and this is where I'm at now. Okay? So it's really recollecting what God has done for you. Again, this is why I think journaling is very important. Why? Because this helps us to understand, oh, it's so easy for me to forget what God has done for me. It's so easy for me to go back into fear. Oh, but God did this for me a year ago. God did this for me 10 years ago. Does that make sense? So it's really helping us to recollect and remember the things that God has done for us. Why? Because we have bad memory. This is really beautiful. Whenever you guys meet a couple or people who are married or couples, what do you do? One of the first questions you ask is, how did you meet each other? Okay, what led you guys to get married? How did you guys know you were right for each other? And what did they do? The couples, what did they do? They recollect. And again, that's one of the best ways to rekindle your love, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he's not good to me now, or oh, she's not that pretty anymore. But hey, I remember 10 years ago or 20 years ago, hey, these are the things he did, or these are the things she, she has done for me. And what are you doing? You are recollecting. You are thinking, once again, about the things that they have done. And this is one of the things that we, I think, as Christians, it's very difficult for us to do. Number one, because we are very forgetful, and we don't write down the things that God has done for us. We only remember maybe the major things. But there are so many other things that God has done for us, yes? David, actually, oh yeah, David, in another, somewhere else, this is what he says. But who am I? And he's, this, he's worshiping, he's, he's giving all of this wealth to God, and, but he says this, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as graciously as this? He's saying, God, I get to give back to you? I'm so blessed. Okay? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. So what is David doing? David, again and again, he gives credit back to God. He doesn't say, well, God, you gave me all of these things, but I'm the one who worked real hard. I'm the one who studied really hard. I'm the one who hustled. No, he's saying, all of these things, everything has come from you. And so that's really important for us to remember. Most of us in this room, we live a very, very good life, even though you might not think that. We're, compared to the whole world, we're super duper rich. And we have it very, very, very good. And again, it's really easy for us to be very arrogant about this. Be like, no, the job that I have right now, it's me. Okay, the, the husband or wife that I have right now, I'm the one who pursued. I'm the one who tempted them, seduced them. It's all me. It's because of my looks or my abilities. 
But again, it's really easy to forget. Okay, let's say you're the one who did all these things. But who's the one who gave you this kind of situation? Who's the one that actually planned for you to be living in 2023? Who's the one that gave you that brain? Who's the one that gave you your looks? Who's the one that gave you your abilities? This is what David is saying. Everything comes from you. So the fact that I get to give you a little bit back, praise God. Thank God. Okay, so again, is that your attitude? Are you able to recollect the things that God has done for you? Are you able to say to God, all of these things that I have in my life, even though, yes, I have my part in it, but ultimately, if I was born in 18th century in North Korea, no matter how hard I work, there's nothing I can do. But the fact that I'm in a free country, 2023, where there's opportunities for, for me to succeed and take care of my family and my community, and the way I look, the abilities I have, the education opportunities I had, again, all of these things, we have to understand, they come from God. And so again, when you list out all of these different things, then you start to see, wow, God is really, really worthy. Wow, God has been really, really good in my life. Yes, are there difficult things? Absolutely. Are there things that God hasn't answered my prayer yet? Absolutely. And yet, despite all of that, God has been really, really good to me. The fact that I'm alive right now, God's been really good. The fact that I get to sit on Sabbath and to hear God's words, I am blessed. Again, there's many things to be thankful for. But you have to understand the worth of it. You have to see the worth of it. But that takes time. You have to sit down and really think about what God has done for me. Uh, there's a story of a person in the Philippines um, in the early 2000s. He's a fisherman. Walking around, he finds a, a big rock, a white rock. And he said something like this. It's not, this is not the exact thing, but something like this. Okay? And he's like, it's a big, pretty white rock. And um, it looks cool. So I'll take it home. It was actually 70, 75 pounds, but he took it home. But he's like, hey, maybe, I don't know, it looks pretty. Maybe it'll give me good luck. And so he put it under his bed for 10 years. Okay? And never really thought about it. Okay? And later on, long story short, he gets this rock evaluated. And it turned out it was actually not a rock. It was a pearl. Okay? It was a pearl. Okay, 75-pound pearl. The biggest in the world. Do you know how much it's worth? $100 million. $100 million. Now, what are you guys doing? You guys are like, your, your faces are changing. Why? You see the worth of this, per, this rock. And what happens? Immediately, wow, that's amazing. I wish I was that fisherman. I wish I had that. I wish I was that lucky. What are you doing? You are praising. You are worshiping. You are adoring. Why? Because you see the worth. But a lot of us, I think we're like that fisherman. Right? A lot of us, we're like, oh, it's kind of cool. Again, it's useful. Maybe it could bring me luck. I'll just put it under my bed and forget about it. And that's what I think a lot of times our relationship with God is. Yeah, God's really cool. Oh, yeah, heaven thing? I really want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. So, yeah, this God thing? Really cool. But I'll put it in my back pocket in case there's an emergency. In case, like, hell happens. In case emergency happens, then I'll take him out. He's kind of just useful. 
But again, do you think this man is like, oh, 10, 100 million, I'll just put it under my bed. Do you think he's doing that? No, why? Because he sees the beauty of this thing now. So he's praising. He's jumping up and down. Because why? He actually sees the worth of this thing. Okay? So same thing. Praise does not just come just because it's time for praise or it's time for worship. No, it comes when you realize the worth of something. And that takes careful investigation. That takes time. That takes recollection. That takes writing down. Okay, and when you're able to do that, then you'll see that you're going to be more filled with praise. And that's what we see with David. He's listing down all the different things that God has done for him. And because of that, I love you, Lord. You are my rock. You are my shield. You are my all of these things. Uh, one more thing. Um, he goes into quite a bit of description. Okay? What God actually does for him. Look at what he writes. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. Okay? So he's like, I was sad. I was in despair. I'm running away from Saul. And I called to you. And look what he says. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. So it's kind of like God is very far away. Okay? He's in his temple. I'm like right here. I'm all the way at the bottom. And God is all the way in his temple. But he, he still hears me. But look what he does. He describes God. He parted the heavens and came down. So it's not like he like, you know, obviously uh, David is being poetic here. But it's not like, boom, God just comes. God save you. I save you. And he just leaves. No. It shows God being very, very active in our rescue. He says, this is how far I'm willing to go. Heavens? Get away from me. I'm going to go. Nothing is going to get in between me and this person. Okay? So come down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wing. He reached down on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. So again, he describes how far God is willing to go to be with David. Okay? This is really, really important because you don't see this in other religions. Okay? Other religions are going to say different things like this. For example, in Hinduism, they're going to say, oh, you're in deep waters? The reason why you're in deep waters is because you did a lot of things bad in the past. So now, start doing some good things. And maybe in your next life, you could get out of that deep waters. Okay? Buddhism is going to say, the reason why you're there is because of all your... Uh, desires that you have. Let go of your attachments, and then you could climb out of that hole. Okay? Islam is going to say, you see, in the end, God's going to judge based on the good things that you did. If you did a lot of good things in your life, compared to your bad things, as long as you do more good things, God's going to save you. But Christianity is the only religion where it says what? God actually came down to your level. Do you know that? Every other religion says, no, you got to do something to get to God's level. So climb yourself out of the deep waters. But Christianity, it totally reverses it. What does Christianity say? It says, God opened up heavens. He was all the way on top, but he comes down to our level to be with us. Why? Why does he do this? Well, it actually, David actually tells us. It says, because he rescued me because he delighted in me. This is a very, very beautiful, beautiful Bible verse, if you understand that. For some of you guys, you're like, of course God delights in me. 
But some of you guys, you guys are like, well, I, I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I'm still making a lot of mistakes in my life. I'm still very far away from God. I'm still not a very good person. But why would God delight in me? And yet, again, this is the greatest mystery of all. God still loved us. He sees all of our dirt. And instead of running away from us, he runs towards us. He splits heaven, flies down, and still comes down to our level. Why? So that he could be with us. This is one of the greatest things, is that we praise God okay, because he delights in us. We find God beautiful only when we realize that from God's perspective, we're actually beautiful in, our, in his eyes. Even though when we look at the mirror, we don't find ourselves beautiful. All we see is mistakes and failures and names that people have called us. God sees us and he actually delights in us. From that, that's what changes your heart. That's what leads us to worship God instead. This is not something you can force. This is something that you have to first understand. Wow, God has been this good to me. That changes your heart, and then you could praise God, just like David. There's another verse. It's a very, very similar verse, but this is one of my favorite verses. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is this telling? This is telling us that Jesus is going through the cross, he's going through the whipping, he's going through the verbal abuse, the emotional turmoil. Why? Because he sees the joy that is set before him, which is what? That he's going to be together with us. He went through all of that just to be with us. This is the God that is searching for every single one of us in this room. This is the God that is waiting for us. This is the God that wants to have a relationship with us. This is the God that wants to be praised and worshipped. Why? Because he is worthy of all, everything. We're going to go into time of reflection. I want you guys to reflect on many different things this week and even today. What are the things that God has done for me in my life? What are the things that I have in my life that I'm taking for granted? Everything comes from God. And even if you can't think of these things, maybe you had a terrible life. Or right now, it's a horrible situation, perhaps. But third thing is what has Jesus done for me on the cross? That, that you can hold on to. What has Jesus done for me? He did all of that for me because he delighted in me. Because he wants to be with me. He's willing to die for my sins so that he could be with me. And from there, we can find God beautiful. Let's go into time of reflection.